Dr. Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. How you doing, folks? I am hanging in there. The recent episode of the Paul Leslie Hour, the Anonymous Curry interview, was a great success, got lots of downloads, and it left me thinking Greek. So I pulled out this interview with Costas. Costas is a singer-songwriter. He's been writing songs for approximately 40 years. Moved to the United States with his parents when he was seven years old, originally from Greece. He is mostly known for the songs that he wrote that other artists recorded, but he does perform himself. He did release an album. It was entitled XS in Moderation on Liberty Records back in 1994. He's somebody I would love to one day see in concert. I also would like to interview him again sometime. As I mentioned, he's most known for the songs of his that were recorded by other artists. One of them would be Timber, I'm Falling in Love, which was a number one hit song for Patti Loveless. He also co-wrote a number of songs with Dwight Yoakam, which Dwight went on to record. Some of the other artists to record Costas songs would be Travis Tritt, Martina McBride, Marty Stewart, Trish Yearwood, George Strait, and many others. I hope you all enjoy the interview with one of the great songwriters in country music, Costas. Let me know what you think. Ladies and gentlemen, our special guest is mostly known by a single name, Costas. Thanks so much for joining us. It's my pleasure, Paul. So who is Costas? Well, that's a good question. I've been asking myself that for a long time, too. I'm just a singer-songwriter up here in Bozeman, Montana. I've been writing songs pretty much over the last 30 or 40 years, I think, somewhere in that area and been playing music since I got my first guitar back in 59 or 60. So I've had a, a lot of transformations and a lot of stops along the way in my journey. But it's been a, an enjoyable ride because music, I found out, was my passion in life. And so uh, it's always been a labor of love. I've never really uh, attempted to do much else in life. So... That's who Costas is, basically, in a nutshell. I understand you grew up in part in Greece. What was life like growing up? Well, I was born in Greece, and we moved to the States in 57. We moved to uh, a little town in Montana, a little farming community. And then from there in 58, uh, we moved to Billings, Montana. And uh, so I grew up. In both places, and Greece is totally different than uh, any part of Montana, except that they've got rocks and mountains and rivers there, too. You know? The cultures are different. I've come from a musical family, and so that music was passed along to me from various different you know, sources in my past. And I've pursued music all my life. Growing up, it was fun. It was fun. What about the music from growing up? What kind of music did you hear? Well, when I lived on a little farm, there was only one radio station, and they would play everything from Perry Como to uh, Buddy Holly or Elvis Lee and Aaron Young and 
Quill and Husky and all sorts of mixtures, you know, that's just the way it was. I started listening to music early on, American music, just absorbing different things going on. Of course, at the time I didn't know what, how it was going to come out later because, uh, you know, you're just a kid. But I picked up a guitar in 58 or 59, started learning how to play, and once you combine the music in you with that instrument or any instrument, then uh, a certain magic begins. You start exploring the music within you through the instrument and through your voice and, and whatever comes through your mind musically, you know, the directions you pursue and all that. Can you remember the first song that you wrote? Yeah, I think it would have to go back a long way. The first real song I wrote would have been in 68, and it was about some uh, strange incident that I went through that we won't get into right now. All right. Well, how did you meet the producer, Tony Brown? I met him through Claire Lynch, who's from the Huntsville area. She's also on Rounder Records. And she and I met in Jackson Hole back in 79, and she ended up recording about three or four songs. I don't recall the exact number, but on an album that she was doing. About 10 years, she was working with Tony Brown in Nashville in some capacity, and uh, she played him the album that she recorded with my songs on it, and he wanted to know the songwriter was, and she told him about me, and then he kind of pursued me from there. He dug me out. I was living up here in Bozeman at the time, so one day I got a phone call from Tony Brown, and he, a uh, very gracious person, he um, got me involved in the Nashville scene. Didn't Tony Brown have a hand in the first artist ever recording one of your songs? He was recording Patty Loveless back in 89. She was one of his artists on MCA Records. And she was doing a, her new album at the time, Honky Tonk Angels. And since that was about the same time that I was arriving there, he heard three songs of mine that she ended up putting on that album. Timber, I'm Falling in Love, which was her first number one, and mine too, came out of the you know, out of the blue, but it was, I mean, I just arrived and suddenly I had a number one song and she was, that was her number, first number one song as well. But then she also did follow up with The Lonely Side of Love, which made it in the top five. And she also did another song on that same record called If You Think, which was never a single. What songwriters have influenced you the most? What songwriters? Well, I have to say that my closest friend in Nashville during the time I was there was Harlan Howard. And uh, so, but his influences preceded our meeting. So I would say Harlan was at the top of the list along with Eddie Cochran, Summertime Blues, Buddy Holly, uh, Joe South, who's from down in Georgia there. He wrote some great songs. There are so many great ones. John D. Loudermilk. And then in the rock and roll world, I say Jagger, 
I'm losing the fella's name, but there's just so many. Randy Newman, Joni Mitchell, Paul Simon, Dylan, just an endless array of great writers, artists. They all have an influence on you. The reason why they have an influence on you is because you like their music. And once you listen to their music, then it becomes a part of you, too. And then somehow or another, that, that well of activity, that musical activity within you, such as your creative side, too, and then new things come out of it. How did you meet Harlan Howard? I met Harlan in Nashville probably in 89 or 90. BMI broadcast music threw me a number one party for Timber, I'm Falling in Love. And Harlan showed up, and we just became friends. We got together and started writing. I wrote a bunch of songs with him. I wrote Blame It On Your Heart, which Patty Loveless uh, recorded as well, and various other songs. Great, great man. I was going to ask you about some of your songs. Tell us about Blame It On Your Heart. <laughs> well, that's... that's um... I started, well, the night before that song was born. I got together with a friend of mine, Jody Mafis, who was the son of Joe Mafis, famous guitar player in Nashville in the 50s, 60s, and that time period. He and I got together at my room over at the motel on DeMumbry in there on Shoney's. Um, we started drinking beer and, and uh, having some fun, talking music, playing guitars and what have you and he left around two or three in the morning and i had to write with harlan it was our first actual encounter to write was the next day and anyway i just stayed up all night long finishing off whatever residue that was left in the room and drinking beer and, and then i started that song i started working on on it around four in the morning and by the time harlan showed up at nine you know, it was mostly done. We had a verse and some lines to fill in and what have you. But he came in at nine and says, Harlan, you got anything you want to work on? He says, nah, kid. says, how about you? I says, well, I stayed up here and I have this little idea going. So I played it for him and he lit up like a Christmas tree and, and we uh, finished it. And we were down at this bar, Toucans as a... Uh, as in the bird toucan. We were down there drinking by about 11 and got done drinking because I was so tired. I, I, I probably finished my last sip uh, around 12.30, went back to the motel, passed out for the next couple of days. When I got up, I started playing the song. I played it for Patty Loveless and her producer at that time. And they passed on it because they called it a ditty at the time. They didn't think much of it. And so it just kind of floored me that they didn't like the song. So I was kind of persistent, but every time I'd try to get the thing to uh, get their interest up on it, they uh, refused it, you know. So then this other gal sang it, and there was a movie in Nashville that was being made at the time called A Thing Called Love. They got a hold of the song somehow, and they loved it. They were going to use it in the movie. And I think as soon as Doug Johnson and Patty Loveless found out that it was going to be in the movie, then they wanted to record it. So 
they went in the studio before anybody else could get a hold of it and cut it, and then it became, it was her, uh, probably one of her bigger hit songs. We're joined by songwriter Costas. What was the inspiration behind the song, Ain't That Lonely Yet, which Dwight Yoakam recorded? Uh, yeah. As the song clearly, you know, just a bad relationship. It was just a, a bad place in time for me. It was all about that. Is it possible for you to pick a favorite song that you wrote? It's not really, because they are all another facet of, you know, a place you've been in yourself and in life, you know. So I love, you know, I hate to say it, or maybe I don't want to sound conceited, but I like my work, you know. So uh, I couldn't say this one's better than that one, or this one's my favorite. They're all... There are some stinkers in the pile, don't get me wrong, <laughs> but uh, I like the good ones equally. What about the song you wrote, Two Time and Two Stepper? Wow. <laughs> well, uh, I, I think that was pretty much pulled out of the, you know, hat. I think the title came first, Two Time and Two Stepper, looking for a one-night stand. It's, it's kind of reminiscent of old-time country titles, you know, they were just kind of a little quirk about them. Anyway, I thought it was a kind of an entertaining subject, but the individual in the song was many a guy that I've seen you know, in bars over the years. I've played in a lot of bars, and, and you see these guys, maybe I was one of them for a while. Not that I ever, on my marriage, that's not what I'm saying, but there were I was definitely part of the bar scene at one time, but in one way or the other. But uh, in any case, there were a lot of people in the bars, you know, that were you know, just uh, always trying to pick up on a girl or another, you know. And they were using all their moves and all their words and whatever they had to offer, you know, to get a girl. So that's what that song was about. We're joined by hit songwriter Costas. How do you write songs, and what inspires them? It helps to have a good title. The better the title is, and titles are thoughts that pass through your mind that you recognize as being a good title, and write it down and then come back to it, and then it's the reverse of pulling on a thread. It's the reverse of that. You take the thread and you make something out of it. And the title can sometimes be the thread that you build the suit out of. And I think songwriters have to, they have to write a story in three, four, five minutes of time. Book writers have months or a year to, and 600 pages or more. Movies are, you know, an hour and a half, two hours, three hours. But a song is about three minutes. And you have to write that story, and it has to make sense, and there has to be uh, a place that it goes to called the hook. You've got verses, chorus, bridge. A friend of mine came up with this down in Nashville. Verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, lunch, chorus out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. In fact, it was John Goodwin that said that. You've written quite a few songs with singer-songwriter Dwight Yoakam. What is he like to work with? 
first, let me say, I've written maybe about six to seven or eight songs with him. Well, he's a interesting and a fun person, you know. He lives his life. He's down in Hollywood there somewhere on Mulholland Drive. He's a very private guy, a very talented individual as well, great singer, and comes up with a lot of songs on his own. It was just an interesting period of time to hook up with him. Uh, you know, he had ideas that we completed. I had ideas that we completed, but he had some good songs in the works, you know, and it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. We're joined by singer-songwriter Costas. In your opinion, what makes a good song a good song? To me, a song is a mirror you can look into and see yourself. And then when other people look at the same mirror, meaning hear that same song, and they can see themselves in it, and that's a good song. And as to what makes it that, I guess the magic that's in the songwriter. What is the best thing about being Costas? The best thing about being Costas is that Costas is still alive. And Costas is, you know, I'm relatively unknown as far as being a major player on the scene. My time has more or less come and gone. But that's okay. The best part of being cost is to still be here in this world and to still learn and be a part of other people's lives. Share and to find a meaning for it all. That's all. Well, my last question. For anyone who is listening to this interview, what would you say to them? Oh, I would like to say, and this goes beyond songwriting. It just, uh, you know, I think just look at the positive side of life and uh, to uh, follow your dreams, whatever they might be, you know. Well, sir... Thank you very much for this interview. It's my pleasure, Paul. The pleasure was mine. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Paul Leslie Hour. If you enjoy these interviews, please consider rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the podcast. You can help us by listening on the free Radio Public app. The show can also be found on iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, or Overcast. For more information, visit thepaulleslie.com or follow on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, all at The Paul Leslie. The Paul Leslie Hour theme song is performed and composed by Jeff Pike. Outro music is performed and composed by John Goodwin. See you next time on The Paul Leslie Hour.